Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, May 3rd, year of our Lord, 2021. And uh, this will be episode number 37. Alright, so um, I didn't do one last week. It was um, just too busy of a week, I, I, I think. I don't recall why I didn't exactly do one. I, I just I don't think I felt motivated, felt rushed for time, so I, I just didn't get around to it, I think. Um, so it's been about two weeks, but I've really only had one topic kind of dominating my thoughts. It's ironic, too, that um, I was thinking about it... Um, 10, 12, 14 days ago, and then I ended up having a conversation with my small group about the topic, and it kind of just uh, it became even more dominant in my thoughts. And so I'll spend the majority of the time talking about that because this one topic kind of um, divides into a few subtopics that I was thinking about as well. Excuse me. I got some dust on my phone here just trying to blow that off there but anyways um the topic I, w- I want to talk about is alcohol and specifically the christian and alcohol and whether or not a christian is permitted to drink alcohol so this is something i've been thinking about um and i've got some pretty dogmatic ideas on I, I guess you would say some pretty blunt and oh, excuse me semi-aggressive thoughts on it and so I'll just come out and lay that out right away I do not believe that a Christian can drink alcohol um, and I, I would put a period on that I don't think it's tolerable um, even to the point where I'm kind of you know, sketched out about kombucha or whatever it's called with the 0.05% alcohol or or soy sauce or teriyaki sauce or whatever it is that has some alcohol in it. Um, that kind of sketches me out too. Although, although, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a bit of a gray area. Because um, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't use soy sauce on my Chinese food. I do. Um, when I found out there was alcohol in it, I got kind of upset about that, but, um, it's kind of a, a, a difficult topic and, um, I have a lot of thoughts on it. So let me just try to summarize those thoughts or not summarize, but let me just try to expand upon these thoughts that I have kind of, I'll give you the bullet points and then we'll, we'll go off of those. Um, so first of all, there's a lot of Christians out there that think it's okay to drink alcohol. They think that a beer or two or a glass of wine, there's nothing wrong with that. And they would point out that the scriptures identify drunkenness as the sin and not consumption. They would say that as long as alcohol is done in moderation, it's okay. Um, and they would have uh, several arguments to back that up, several scriptures. They would talk about how in the Psalms it says that wine rejoices the heart. Um, they would talk about how Jesus made wine at the wedding. Uh, they'll talk about how, uh, Paul told Timothy to have a glass of wine for his stomach ailments. 
uh, things of that nature. And so they, they, they're convinced in their minds and they have these scriptures to back them up. Um, so they, they, again, they would, they would say, especially the Christians I associate with, they would say drunkenness is a sin. That's, that's very clearly defined in the scriptures. However, um, consumption of a drink or two, as long as you don't get drunk, as long as it's done in moderation, there's no sin in that. And, and they would say it can actually be enjoyable. My position is, is different. Um, and, and, and I don't know, maybe I am too aggressive, maybe I am too legalistic, but um, he, here's how I see it. My main point stems from Proverbs 23.31, uh, which says that we're not even supposed to look at the wine when it, when it has turned red in the cup, uh, when it moves itself aright. And so... I believe almost from the outset, when I first read that verse, my immediate thought was this is talking about the fermentation process. You know, if you watch grapes ferment, if you watch wine ferment, um, the fermentation process moves itself. It doesn't require stirring or anything like that. If, if, if you have a glass bottle and, and you can watch fermentation, the grapes start to come to the top and you start to get a foaming, bubbling um, in there and it, and, and, and it's moving itself, it's stirring itself. And so I've always thought that that's what that is talking about. Um, in which case there would be two kinds of wine. Um, cause it says not to look at the wine when it's fermented. If that's what is meant by the phrase, when it moves itself, right. It says not to look at the wine when it's fermented. So that would imply that there is unfermented wine that you can look at. And um, I just listened to a sermon by John MacArthur where he points out, um, I think it, um, I, I read the sermon, I didn't listen to it, I'm sorry, and I, and I read it in a hurry because I was working, but I believe he points out that every time um, wine is mentioned in the Old Testament in a positive context, it's talking about uh, mixed wine, and what the mixed wine is, is that the, the Jews would boil their wine down um to get like a a um jelly type type substance that could be stored and preserved and carried and so during the boiling process the alcohol would burn off and so you'd be left with this jelly substance that they would then mix with water and that's why you would get the mixed wine and so you would get a strongly diluted uh non-alcoholic drink um, I think he points out that even even the alcoholic wine back then was maybe two percent, two and a half percent alcohol, um, and then they would dilute it um, at least four to seven times with water. Um, so you end up with like I don't know what that would be diluted four to seven times would probably like point five to point one or to one percent, which I think in America we would classify as a non-alcoholic drink. Uh, it would be like a kombucha. And so it's like a almost a grape juice. And when they boil it down and get rid of all the alcohol, it really is a grape juice. And so my argument would be, we're not supposed to look at wine when it's fermented. So you can look at it when it's not fermented, when it's just grape juice. And, and grape juice rejoices the heart. And people be like, oh, why would juice rejoice your heart? It's the alcohol that rejoices the heart. No, that's nonsense. If you're walking around spending your life drinking dirty water and goat's milk, um, a, a glass of grape juice is going to be uh, extremely pleasurable. It's going to be a good day to get that that 
uh, grape juice. So, so my main argument is based on Proverbs twenty three thirty one. Now, I did um, after having an argument with several of my brothers, I went and looked up commentaries on that, and I was hard pressed to find anybody that agreed with my interpretation. Um, so that kind of caused me to doubt my position um, a little bit, at least on that verse, because if I'm the only one coming up with that interpretation, then I'm obviously wrong. Um, I think I read Matthew Henry, I read Spurgeon on it, I read a few other commentaries, maybe Gill's commentary or something like that. And uh, they all take it to mean something else. They take it to mean uh, when it's shiny or when it looks good or when it when it's smooth. Um, so So they have a different outlook on that. So after reading that and, and finding that really there's not anybody I found, I didn't look hard, so maybe there are people out there, but there's not, the ones I looked at, there wasn't anybody that agreed with how I'm reading Proverbs 23, 31. Um, so perhaps I'm wrong on that, in which case that really does injure my, my main position because that's where I really hang my hat is on that verse. Um, my second major point would be uh, that, yes, drunkenness is very clearly defined as sinful. No drunkard will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, we're told to be sober-minded. So, the and, and, and over and over the scriptures talk about being sober, and I don't think it's just talking about alcoholic sober. It's talking about just being sober-minded, clear-headed, um, which intoxication would, would ruin that, intoxication in any form drug or alcohol. Um, so to be drunk is to be uh, no longer sober-minded. Uh, however, the word drunk is not defined in Scripture in any particular way. It's not. It doesn't say after four drinks you're drunk or after a body buzz you're drunk. It doesn't say that. It just says drunkenness is a sin. Now today in our society, we define drunk as inebriated or out of control. We define drunk legally as 0.08 or more on the breathalyzer test. But just because that's how we define it in, in, in our current society, that doesn't mean you, you can't equate that to the biblical definition of drunkenness. You can't just say, because we say this is what drunkenness is, this is what biblical drunkenness is. We don't know that. Um, and, and so you're running this risk, in my opinion. Drunkenness could be uh, the moment you get that body buzz, the moment you start to feel a little lightheaded, um, which to somebody who doesn't drink a lot, uh, you know, one or two beers or one or two shots can, can certainly cause that feeling, can cause that uh, lightheadedness, which would mean you're no longer sober-minded. Um, and, and I think that would mean that you're drunk. So with such a with such a loose definition of drunk, without knowing where the lines are, it's it's like walking down a path with a sign at the beginning of the path that says cliff ahead, but it doesn't tell you where the cliff is, and you're in the dark and blind. It is foolish, in my opinion, to take any steps on that path. Um, why why would you even start down it? You know, don't go down that path. You don't know where the cliff is. You know, you're sitting there having a good time, having a drink or two, and next moment, in it, you know, you go from just being completely fine to all of a sudden you're that lightheaded. You got that body buzz going on. Have you just now sinned? You've just now crossed it with that one drink, took you from what you thought was tolerable to now you're in sin. 
So, and you don't know when that's going to occur. It's based on body weight and, and, and tolerance and, and all these other things. So why would you even go down that line? What if one alcoholic drink and you, you get that initial body rush, what if that's drunkenness? Because again, the, the alcohol today, even, even in the slightest form, like a beer, it runs, uh, what, 3.7 to 5.5, 6.5% alcohol. So you figure an average beer, 4.5%. That's twice the alcohol content of undiluted wine um, back in the old days. The, 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 the unmixed wine, the, the pure wine back in the day was 2.25% alcohol. Um, and again, the Jews would dilute it with four to seven parts water to make it even less or they would boil it down to that jelly form, in which case there's no alcohol content. Um, so you're taking a beer, which now, you know, one beer is like seven times stronger, uh, seven to 14 times stronger than what they had in the Old Testament days to drink. So that one alcoholic beer, and I, and MacArthur talked about this in a sermon, it was, you know, a thousand years after Christ, they came up with a new fermentation process that increased the alcohol content and then during the years of Napoleon, they created, they came up with another aspect to, to even more increase the alcohol content to now where you can get, you know, 70% alcohol in, in some of those strong drinks, you know, 100 proof, 120 proof alcoholic drinks or whatever it is. Um, but so like I say, even in the, even in the minutest form, even in just one beer, you're dealing with something that's potentially seven to 14 times stronger than what they had in the Old Testament. One beer can give you a body buzz. One beer can give you that lightheadedness, in which case you are no longer sober-minded and you have stepped into the realm of sin. Um, so again, why even take that step? Um, my third point would be that the Levitical priesthood was not allowed to drink wine when entering the temple. So the, the question becomes, why not? Why weren't they allowed to drink wine before stepping into the temple? And I think the idea there is that the temple was holy and they needed to be holy. Therefore, it's inferred that drinking wine is an unholy or at least an unclean act. And yes, I understand that they, they did things in the Levitical times. They did things back then that were no longer uh, required to obey. Like, the, the you know, they couldn't eat shellfish or bacon and... Jesus has opened that door to us. He said, whatever he's made clean is clean. We can eat whatever we want. Um, Jesus didn't address the 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 regulations of the temple. And, and the, the specific thing with the temple had to do with holiness. The priests had to be holy. They couldn't be unclean. If they had touched a dead body, they couldn't go in there. Um, you know, if they'd, uh, you know, there was all sorts of things that would make them less than pure. And, and apparently drinking wine is something like that. Same with the Nazarene oath. The Nazarenes would take that oath that they would never drink wine. John the Baptist never drank wine. Why? It was for, for a, a standard of holiness to, to show themselves distinct and separate uh, holy. And we are to be a holy and, and peculiar people separate from society. Um, so, so why would we want to do something that even society deems as taboo? Um, they won't allow children to drink. Uh, they, they, if, if, you know, it's, it's a considered a, an unclean heathenous type activity. Um, so, so why would we do that? If we're supposed to be holy, special people, why do we even want to act like the world? Which leads me into my next point. Uh, why do Christians drink alcohol? 
And, and some people say, oh, they like the taste of it. And I'm not buying that. The taste of beer is not a pleasant taste. It's bitter. There's a hundred things that taste better than beer. Um, I've never had a glass of wine, so I, I don't know what wine tastes like. But um, my point is, is that I, I seriously doubt that people are truly doing it for taste. I think people are doing it for the feel. They want the buzz, uh, which means that it is drunkenness they're seeking. And they're trying to get as close to that line as possible without crossing it. Um, now, that's a motive issue, as my, one of my brothers pointed out to me. And I can't judge a person's motive. I'm just saying from, from my own perspective, from what I'm seeing. It, and yeah, you'd have to test your own heart there. Um, you know, why are you drinking? Is it to catch that buzz? Because then you're in sin. Um, my, so, and then my next point would be that what does society think of a Christian who drinks? Is it not a stumbling block? Does it not give them room to mock and blaspheme in the name of the Lord? As soon as a solid born-again Christian takes an alcoholic drink in their hand in front of a lost person, what's the first words out of that lost person's mouth? Oh, I thought you were a Christian. Isn't that sinful? Um, and yes, there's other things like that too, that, that you know, smoking and gambling. Um, but, but we don't really have scriptures addressing smoking and, and, and gambling and whatnot. So I would say that this drinking is in a different category because uh, of all the previous points I've made. This just adds validity to the point I'm trying to make, that the lost world sees this as a taboo activity, and they would mock uh, Christ, and they would ridicule you uh, as a Christian for having a drink. Um, in that same breath, there are many Christians, um, like myself, who view alcohol as a sin, um, even if you have, with all these points I've made, even if you're still saying, no, I have the liberty to drink. You're wrong on Proverbs 23. You're wrong about being drunk. You're wrong about the holiness aspect. You're wrong about the stumbling block. Uh, I can just do it in private. Um, so even if you consider all that, um, it, there's Christians like myself that consider it sinful. Um, so if, if you think you have Christian liberty in this, what do the scriptures tell us you're supposed to do? Paul said that if, if meat causes his brother to stumble, he won't ever eat meat. And so if, if, if this is a stumbling block, and it is not just for me, um, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to, well, I'm going to get into that later, but I, I, I don't think I would separate from a brother for having a drink now and then, um, but put a, put a asterisk on that. I'm going to come back to that. Um, I, I think it would cause many brothers and sisters to stumble. It would cause them to see you um, as lost. It would cause them to, you're causing them to stumble because then they're they're judging another man's servant in their hearts because, you know, especially like a new believer or an immature believer when they see somebody drinking. Um, so we've got all these different aspects here. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any more. I think that just about covers the reasons why I think drinking is a sin and shouldn't be done by a Christian. Um, now, my brothers and sisters disagreed with me and argued with me vehemently, which really led into my next point here. Um, I was so grieved by it, especially because... Um, one particular brother who had stood by my side on this topic was all of a sudden wavering. And, uh, you know, 
I, I was grieved by that. I was kind of taken aback and shocked by it. And so I, I, I tried hard to persuade him. I tried to show him all these points. Um, but it really grieved me. And it caused me to stand back from my group and really feel isolated. And I'm talking about my small group of fellowship. And it, it caused me to feel isolated and distant and separate from them. And and for a while there, I was really examining myself going, you know, am, am I really... Do I really have anything in common with these brothers and sisters anymore outside of, you know, yes, we have the commonality of the gospel, but there's so many distinctions and differences and dividers between us on other issues that um, can I continue um, to walk with them? You know, is this, is this healthy to continue to walk with them? And so what my thoughts were on that is based on Amos 3.3, 3, which says, can two walk together? unless they be agreed. And in my walk uh, of faith, I've, I've come to learn that when you have commonality with brothers and sisters, when, when you have a common understanding, you know, when we come to one mind, as the scriptures say, we're supposed to be of one mind. When you have that one-mindedness on, on different um, issues of the scriptures, on different doctrines, um, on different understanding and theology. When, you, when you're of the same mind, it builds such a great intimacy, a beautiful intimacy, a closeness, a, a union with them that, that makes you cleave to them and, and be one with them. And, and it just it brings you together so close. Now, contrawise, every distinction in doctrine, every disagreement in the scriptures, causes disunity, causes a lack of one-mindedness, and it makes you feel separate from them. It makes that, that intimacy is hindered. There's a barb put there, and, and which is why we defend and we wrestle and we argue for our points, because we, we want that intimacy. We want people to be of the same mind. We want to come to the truth. I don't want to be in disagreement with my brothers. I want to be of the same mind with them. And so I started thinking, like, when we're saved, we're put onto the narrow path. Um, and, 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 you know, that narrow path is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. When we get that right, we're family. When, when we're in Christ, we're on that narrow path. We're together. We're walking together. We're in unity. Now, as we walk down that path, we come to many uh, manifold decisions on scriptures. We come to, to different interpretations, different thoughts. And each time there's a disagreement, there's a step placed between us. We're no longer walking side by side, arm in arm. Uh, we, we come to, like, let's say, the, the issue of Calvinism versus Arminianism. If, if one of uh, my brothers uh, decides that he's going to believe in free will... Um, Arminian decisionalism, um, but perhaps, and I think there's levels of that too. Maybe, maybe it's just out of ignorance or a lack of study. It puts a small step between us. If he goes full blown Pelagianism, it puts you know a great distance between us. But let's say he just goes that little one step. We're now one step apart from each other. We still feel pretty, you know, if you're walking by a person and they're just one step behind you or one step ahead of you, you still feel pretty unified with them. You're still together. You're still in conversation, nothing, you know, there's not a lot lost. So, so we're still able to, to do fellowship. 
Now you're continuing on and you come to another issue, let's say eschatology, and there's a disagreement there. Now there's another step. Now you got two steps between us. You know, it starts to feel a little awkward. You start to, to wonder about this step. You start to, you know, have to look over your shoulder to talk to them, um, you know, or, or talk a little bit louder, and there's just that little bit of distance. Now you come to another decision, another issue on the scriptures. Uh, let, let's say, you know, there's another disagreement. Now there's a third step. And then you go further and there's another disagreement, a fourth step. Pretty soon you guys are pretty far apart. And it's hard to maintain communication. It's hard to maintain fellowship. And so that's kind of how I was feeling on this. I felt like just lately within my group, there's been so many um, doctrinal disagreements. Whereas once I felt like we were unified and... and, and um, I felt like we were just together. I felt like uh, we were on the same page on most issues. And and that's great. Like I say, you get that intimacy. And when, when there is disunity, I have a hard time taking my focus off of that. I, like when, when somebody takes a step away, I'm focusing on that step because I'm wanting them to come back. I'm wanting that step to be closed. I want that gap to be closed. And so it's really, really hard for me to take my eyes off of the gap. I'm focused on the gap. Let's close the gap. Let's fix this. Let's get back to that arm-in-arm -arm unity. I want that. I desire that. And, and so, like I say, the, these differences, and, and the one with alcohol, I especially, um, I felt outnumbered. I felt ganged up on. I felt um, disrespected which is which is selfish pride you know like um i felt like you know like like <laughs> and well it's just prideful you know um but just i just felt like i you know i was losing ground with my brothers um and and especially with some of my brothers that had been arm in arm with me all of a sudden there's a step between us and I'm looking at it going, man, I just don't want this. We got to fix this, man. I need you back here with me. And and if I'm wrong, you know, like I say, I, I don't see it. I would rather, it, if this is a danger, if this is a gray area, there's danger in gray areas. And why would I not lean towards the side of less danger? Why would I not lean towards the side of abstinence or, or like they called in the old days, teetotalism? you know, and, and staying away from alcohol. Why wouldn't I lean towards that way uh, with with all these other... Because the, the brothers are going to point out, well, wine rejoices the heart. And I'm going to say, well, yeah, but that's just talking about the unfermented wine. It's talking about the mixed, you know, diluted, at most 0.5%, probably non-alcoholic wine that they had in the Old Testament. And they're going to say, well, Jesus made wine. And I'm going to say, well, Jesus didn't drink wine. And we, and we don't know what that wine was. Again, it could be that mixed, diluted, non-alcoholic wine. Um, people are going to say, uh, what about Timothy? Well, uh, Timothy took it for medical purposes. It was medicine. It's like taking Dayquil or Nightquil, which has alcoholic content, which I wouldn't argue with. If, if you're sick and that's the means of remedy, I, I, would, I wouldn't argue against that. I think that's the one time it's justifiable. If you're sick, 
Um, it talks about giving strong drink to those that are dying. I think that's like morphine to a person in a hospital. I, I, I couldn't argue against it. I don't think that's wrong. I think for when it's used for medical purposes, uh, Timothy had something wrong with his stomach and, and wine helped. And MacArthur points out that, you know, when they were drinking nasty, dirty water, um, adding that little bit of mixed wine in with it would purify the water. Um, and so it would help the stomach ailments. That makes sense. That's, that's tolerable. You know, if, if you're sick with a cold, I'm not going to argue against you taking a cup of Dayquil, you know, cause your motive is I'm doing this for medical health reasons. Your motive is not to catch a buzz, not to, to, to alter that sober minded state that we're supposed to have as Christians. Um, so yeah, that, that, that uh, difference um, and that sober-minded thing, that reminded me of another thing I've thought of that I want to get in here before the break. Um, the scriptures say that we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit, not drunk with wine. And I've always been curious about why that analogy was used. Why was that uh, comparison made? To be filled with the Spirit, being uh, compared to being drunk with the wine. And I think it's because both uh, give you that joyful um, experience that, that exuberance, that, 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 that joy, but one is fabricated. One is, one is, one is earthly. One is fleshly. One is false. And that would be the alcohol. One is good and godly and wholesome and holy. And that would be the spirit. And so we're supposed to be filled with the spirit, not drunk with wine. And, um, when you think about being filled with the spirit, it immediately leads me to think of the fruit of the spirit, because that's, what's going to come out of being filled with the spirit fruit, the love, the joy, the peace. Well, what is alcohol? Alcohol is fermented fruit, dying fruit, decaying fruit, poisoned fruit, fermented fruit. That's what causes the intoxication. So instead of having natural, good, wholesome fruit, on the one hand, and being filled with the Spirit, you're getting the dead, dying, decaying, fermented fruit that produces an intoxicated counterfeit. Um, and we're on the break here, so we'll pick up that thought on the other end. All right, welcome back to the weekly walk. Um, we were talking about uh, alcohol and the Christian. Uh, prior to the break there. And I really wish I didn't have to cut these off at 30 minutes because I was kind of in a flow there and I lost my train of thought. But um, I was talking about how, how these distinctions, this latest disagreement here with my brothers and sisters has put a level of, of distance between us. And and it's, it, it's just kind of... Um, like I, like I was describing in my analogy about the steps between us, for a lot of my brothers and sisters, there's already four or five steps between us. And like one more is, is detrimental to me. It's, it's painful. And so then I started thinking about um, our fellowship together. And I, I think a lot of these differences had, have hindered our fellowship because we can't communicate with each other on spiritual levels. We, we can't bring... Um, ideas and theology and doctrines like we're supposed to because we we all in our hearts are going I already know what they believe about this and I'm in disagreement with them so why even talk about it and so there's so many of these disagreements that that we really just kind of dismiss each other you know when when we're talking to each other you can discern that it's almost going in one ear and out the other 
because everybody's already made up their mind on the topic and 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 they know where you stand and and they're not going to agree with you and that's that and so there's um as my brother was pointing out it was just a, a lack of teachability and i recognize that in myself um that's one of my my key struggles is with pride you know and and um but it's in the others too and and it's hindered fellowship it's it's made it so that we get together and we'll try to force some scriptures you know and we'll talk a, a few spiritual things and then we'll just go into joking around and playing games and then at some point we'll try to work in some more spiritual things or we'll talk about the world and its current situation you know the the politics and the the end time signs perhaps and um you know, we talk about uh, pipe dreams that we have of starting businesses and, and, and building a community and all these other things. But the spiritual lack is evident. And it's because of all these disagreements. Well, one of the reasons is because of all these disagreements. We just, we know we're in disagreement on things. And so it's hard to, to approach the subject. It's hard to even address these issues. And so when another issue of disagreement comes up, it's just heartbreaking and um, it's hard to deal with. <clears throat> so that led me into the idea of, well, what do we do? Not only is there a distance between us because of disagreements, but some of these things, at least from my point of view, I view as sinful. Like, like I'm saying with the alcohol, and and after you know I, I went camping this weekend with uh, a few of my brothers and sisters and and we we had this conversation and we we kind of hashed things out and it ended up being really beneficial for me it kind of eased my mind a little bit um, as far as you know letting me see that that um, you know they're they're coming at it from a scriptural respect as well. And so, like, I, I have to allow room for, for the possibility that I could be wrong on this. And, um, that's hard to admit because, like I say, when it's an issue of sin, I, I don't want to be an error. I have enough sin in my life, you know. I don't want to, I don't want to add another one I, because of ignorance. I don't want to say, you know, well... I suppose this is a gray area, maybe it ain't sin, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm falling into some nonsense, you know, I, I don't, I don't want that, I want to be on guard, I, and I don't want to be legalistic about being on guard, but um, there's so many things that, that uh, I just, I, I, I don't want to give up ground to the world, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm fighting to keep the ground that I have, you know, so I, I don't want to, and like I say, I, it's better to err on the side of caution, so it's really hard to say I could be wrong when, when this issue is a potential sinful thing. And in my mind right now, you know, I'm 99% persuaded that it is sinful to do. And so with that in mind, it's like, okay, if, if, if a brother is in sin, how do you react to that? It, like, yes, if they're struggling with a sin, they've confessed that, hey, this is a problem for me and I'm struggling and I'm wrestling against it that's fine. All right. That's good. That's I'll walk with you. I'll bear this burden with you. I'll, 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 I'll come with you on this journey. I know you're struggling against it. I know you're fighting against it. I know you recognize it as sin. So you're on the right path. You're, you're, you know, you're okay with me. There's no separation needed. 
But when a brother denies that it is sin, you know, how can there be repentance then? There's, there's, you know, persistent, continual sin, and they're justifying their action. And and so, like, people are like, well, it's because there's all these gray areas. You, you know, you can't call alcohol, drinking alcohol sinful. Well, in my book, it is. You know, you might not be able to say it is, but I say it is. So I'm seeing it as sin. I'm seeing my brother's sin. How's that any different than if I were to see him cheating on his wife? Or how is that any different than if I were to see him... Um, you know, committing fraud and saying, ah, oh, guys, don't worry, it's not a sin. There's nothing wrong here, you know. And so my brother, one of my brothers tried to point out, he tried to make the argument that because there's seemingly um, contradictory scriptures, that it's not a crystal clear issue, that that makes the difference. But like I say, on my end, what if it is a crystal clear issue? What if I am fully persuaded? Just because you're not fully persuaded, that doesn't change the facts, um, and like I say, I, 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 I'm 99%, so I can't say I'm fully persuaded, but in my eyes, it is a sinful, foolish, at the, at the very least, it is a foolish, worldly, non-beneficial activity, um, that can cause people to stumble and that will cause the lost world, um, to look unfavorably and mockingly at us. Um, therefore it ought to be avoided. Um, in addition, we don't really know where drunk starts and we're supposed to be sober-minded. So again, if you see the sign, there's a cliff ahead and it's pitch black dark. Why even take a step that way? You don't know where. And you can just all of a sudden be falling off the edge. <clears throat> and the idea that, that you know, if you really study out what wine is in the Old Testament, you're going to find that it's nowhere near what even a beer is today. It's just it diluted and and like one seventh of the alcohol content um so there's all these points to be made and you know it, if you're not fully persuaded i i don't know what to do in that situation it's like well you know at what point if you think a brother is in sin and i know that people are pointing out the romans 14 issue you know there's 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 liberty here we got to be gracious um but we're also supposed to separate from a brother in sin who won't receive rebuke, you know. And I don't know if this is one of those issues. I don't know. I don't know where the line in the sand is. I, I'm just so uncertain about it. One thing I was thinking about is the scriptures talk about how there's a sin unto death and a sin that's not unto death. And I definitely think that as long as a brother is not passing into drunkenness. Which again is so hard to define. Like, where is that drunken line? That that's what makes this difficult for me. Um, but if a brother has a beer or a glass of wine, um, to me that that is sinful. But perhaps it's not the sin unto death. In which case, it says I'm supposed to pray for the brother, and I I would assume okay, can fellowship continue here? You know, I would. And that brings me back to the, you know, the separation issue. Would you separate from a brother? I don't know. But if I saw, if I'm sitting around and all of a sudden a brother breaks out a beer, um, I'm going to have a really hard time staying there. Like, how, how can I sit and watch this brother do something that I think is sinful? You know, um, it, to me, it would be like, what if I was just stealing money? Are those brothers just supposed to sit there and watch? 
And and from from my perspective, sin is sin. So the sin of alcohol is in the same vein as as stealing. I don't see the difference. And I know brothers would say, well, there is a difference because because you can't prove and and but it's proven to me to beyond a reasonable doubt at least. So there's just this this difficulty of like, man, I don't think I could be around a brother drinking. And I, I, it would just grieve me. I'm not saying I would separate from them totally, but. If they open a beer, I gotta leave. You know, I gotta or I gotta I gotta plead with them. Please don't do this. You know, and it's I don't know, it's just a rough situation. You know, it's um there's so many different areas here to look into, and and I guess the bottom line is I was thinking like what what do I do with a with a brother that I think is in sin, but he doesn't think he's in sin. Taking into account Romans 14 with the Christian liberty, taking into account um, a sin that's not unto death, taking all these things into account, what is my reaction? Do I just weep for the brother? Do I just pray for the brother? You know, I, I don't know. It's... um. Do I just, you know, I think the, do I just say, screw it, let every man do what they want? Like, am I my brother's keeper? You know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm, tie that in with, you know, we each answer to God ourselves. I'm nobody's master. You know, I, I can't command and demand things. So you tie all that in and it's like, man, just, just how, I want, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to do fellowship in the light of these things. You know, it's, it's, there's a, this, there's been a step put between us that creates disunity and I'm having a really hard time not looking at the step. Um, there's something you're doing that I think is sinful, which causes me to, to, to be grieved, you know, so it's, there's all these different aspects and I'm just, I'm not sure how to handle it. Um, but yeah, so, so that's my point. Um, I would not drink alcohol. I, I, I think there's too much danger in not knowing where you go from being sober minded to a state of drunkenness. I think there's, there's way too much danger. I think the alcohol today is far too potent, far too strong. And one drink can, can put you into a non sober minded state. Um, regardless of what we define as inebriated or legally drunk, you know, you blow that breathalyzer at a 0.08 and they say you're, you're legally drunk, you know, while 0.06, are you biblically drunk? 0.04, are you biblically drunk? You know, once the mind starts to get, um, a little bit altered, you're not thinking straight. You're in a different state of mind. So I guess the bottom line to me is I, I would not drink. It's 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 not I don't I wouldn't say that a brother who drinks is not a brother. That's that's certainly not the case. But I would say that they're they're causing others to stumble and they're acting foolishly and not being wise and playing with fire and um it's a it's a worldly activity, it's an unnecessary thing. Um, if a brother wants to, to go Old Testament to get that wine that rejoices the heart and drink some unfermented wine 
or the 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 mixed wine that MacArthur talked about, or the the strongly diluted, you know, homemade point zero five percent, basically kombucha style grape juice. You know, I I probably wouldn't um, be able to say anything to that. I I would still be a little like I say, I'm still uncomfortable with the idea of alcohol. It's fermented fruit. It's poisoned, dying fruit. Uh, which to me just is the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. So I don't know, you know, but I, I got brothers that drink kombucha juice and, and I don't go away from them when they do it, but it does uh, prick me. It does, you know, grieve me. I see it and I'm like, man, there's so many alternatives that are less risky. There's so many alternatives that don't have alcohol content. So, and, you know, Lest you think I'm the hypocrite, you know, I, I've lived a past life of drunkenness before getting saved. That That's, you know, where I was. That's where I hung my hat in that partying atmosphere. And since being saved, I've um, fallen into that sin. Uh, I hate using the word fallen because I didn't fall. I chose to go that direction. Um, after some heartbreak, I made some foolish decisions. Um, but... It's, it's not something that I think is okay to do, you know, and I wouldn't go down, you know, I don't drink, I'm not, I'm not gonna drink, Lord willing, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's just, because, you know, you have to be careful if you think you stand unless you fall, but um, I'm even grieved when, when the, at the Lord's Supper they serve alcoholic wine, it's like, you know, that's unnecessary, there's alternatives that don't contain alcohol. Just why play with fire? Why why go down that path? But anyways, so that's really been dominating my thoughts here. And like I say, I, I got a lot of peace talking to my bro uh, a couple of my brothers over the campfire. We had a great cramp camping trip, first camping trip of the year. Um, it was a bit cold the first two nights. Probably dropped down to high 30s. So it was really, really cold sleeping in that tent the first two nights. But... We had a great time, great fellowship. I had some good conversations. Uh, like I say, they brought a lot of peace because at, at the at coming into that camping trip, I was dogmatically um, opposed to the idea of you know anybody thinking they had the freedom to drink, and I was I was ready to separate from fellowship because of it. And and they kind of eased my mind a little bit, and and and. And made me think along the lines of grace and mercy and love and, and fellowship and just loving my brothers and, and um, you know, letting them come to their own conclusions. They answer to their own master. You know, I've, I've tried my hardest to persuade them of my position, but now it's between them and God. And, and they, they've got to work out their own motives for why they're even thinking about doing this. But, um, you know, like I say, I, I would just... Uh, If any of them, you know, I, I, out of re, out of respect to not be a stumbling block to me, you know, I would hope that they would never drink in front of me, that they wouldn't advocate for it um, in my presence, or, you know, that they would just, you know, anything that we think we have liberty in, it's supposed to be done privately, you know, and, and so, I don't know, it's just, uh, I, I know I have a tendency to be very dogmatic and blunt, and and just very straightforward there there is no gray for me 
Everything is black and white. There's a truth and there's not a truth, and that's it. Anything that's in a gray area is not correct. It's 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 an error. There's there's one right answer for every every math problem. You know, there's there's one answer, and and there's one right and a multitude of different ways to be wrong. But there's just one right, one truth, and so that's that's the position I take. And 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 I feel like it's not even worth talking about something if you haven't made up your mind. On, a, on an issue. So I look at issues and I come to a determination of what I believe to be right. And once I make that determination, I'm sticking to it. You know, I'm going wholeheartedly. If I find out later that I was wrong, you know, there's there's grievous repentance and I got to turn and figure out what the right way to go is. But, but I'm going to take a solid black and white position on almost every topic. You know, it's, it's, it's just the way I think it's the way I function. I, I, like I say, I don't believe in gray areas, and and if I haven't made a decision on something, I'm totter, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering between two positions, you know, and 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 that's unacceptable for me. I gotta, I gotta make a call. Either alcohol is okay or it's not. There's no middle ground for me. And so, like I say, I, I don't believe that a Christian, with all the evidence that I laid out, is is permitted to drink alcohol. Um, or at the very least, it's not a wise, beneficial decision to do so. All right, so um, one other thing I just want to update. Um, uh, a couple of podcasts back, I, I, I told you I'd come up with this prayer um, acronym to help me in my prayer closet, and it was just PRAY, um, which stood for Praise, Request, Admit, and Yield. Um, in which I, I enter into the prayer closet with praise on my lips, praising God for his character, praising him for, for who he is and what he's done. Uh, the magnificence of his creation is where my mind often goes in those praise moments. And then um, our request, I bring my petitions to him. I bring the desires of my heart to him. Um, I let him know... Um, which you know he already knows, but you're vocalizing it in the spirit. Uh, the the things that I desire, the things that I that I I hope for and long for. And then uh, A is admit. I I admit my sins and my failures and my my twistings and perversions and and the things in my heart and mind where I've gone astray and just confess these things to him and beg for his help to overcome and to um, to not do them again. And then why is yield? I yield to his will, you know, whatever he wants. If, if my requests go against his plan and purpose for my life, um, then so be it. Then, 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 you know, I want his will. He knows what he's doing. I don't. Um, so I yield to him. Uh, but then as I was thinking, I started thinking about some things that were missing from that prayer. And so I've changed the acronym from pray to prayers. I added an ERS to the end um, based on some additional ideas for prayer that I had. Um, the E stands for everyone uh, or everyone else. Um, my, I recognized that um, I wasn't praying for my brothers and sisters in the faith. You know, there's many times people make prayer requests where there's things you recognize that, that need to be prayed for. And so I thought, man, I, I need to add that. I need to be praying 
um, for, you know, one brother's particularly been on my heart, uh, for a particular issue. And so I just, I, you know, I've been focused on that. I want to remember, um, to bring my brothers and sisters before the Lord. Um, so I added the E for everyone else. And then the R, um, stood for, um, rejoice, I think, man, what did the R stand for? Is it, yeah, it's rejoice, um, to, to rejoice in the things the Lord has done for me, which is different from praise. Like I've really been thinking about the distinction between praise and, 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 and rejoicing. Um, the praise is to praise him for who he is and what he's done. The rejoicing is to thank him, um, for what he's done for me and what he's given to me. So the praise is more about his character. The, 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 the rejoicing is more about his interactions with me specifically. Um, so I, uh, I'll rejoice in, in the, the, the car that he's given me and the warm clothes and, and the job and the paycheck and, and the ministry opportunities and just rejoicing for all the different good things that he's done for me. And then finally, the S is scripture. Um, because we're supposed to meditate on the scriptures or pray the scriptures. Um, so I'll, I've been trying to take like one verse um, and just really think it through. And um, just in, in the spirit there, just praise him and, and think these things through. But to be honest, I, I haven't really um, had, had a good success rate in putting this into action every day. I kind of, um, I had a brief period there where I, was, where I was super motivated to get into my prayer closet every morning, and then I got lazy, and, um, because I wake up at four in the morning to go to the gym before work, and then I get home, and I don't have to work till eight, and so I thought, man, what a great time to be in the prayer closet, uh, but lately I've been getting home, and it's like, man, I still, I got two hours here, um, still pretty tired, I could go back to sleep, you know, and so I've lazily fallen into that habit instead of getting into the prayer closet, um, and then after work, I really just haven't had a lot of time either, just, um, because I like to do these so-called ministry things, uh, or, or small ministry things, they're, they're ministry things that, that I do from the comfort of my home and my computer, you know, I do, um, some teaching videos and, on YouTube and this podcast and some watch alongs with some documentaries and stuff like that. Um, so I like to do those after work. And then usually right around this time, seven thirty, eight o'clock, you know, I'm trying to get into bed so, um, I can get up at four again to go to the gym. But, um, yeah, so that, that's my new acronym is the prayers. It's, it's, uh, praise, request, admit, yield, everyone else, rejoice, and scriptures, prayers, and I just love how the Lord has given this to me, because it's, it's, it's such an easy way for me to remember, this acronym is perfect for me, pray I thought was great, I was like, yes, I got pray, and then when I realized I was missing some things, I was like, oh man, and then I, I realized, oh, I can make this prayers, that's, that's great, this works fantastic, uh, so it's just been, been a blessing for me, and, and Hopefully I can continue on and, and the Lord will really just motivate me to, to get into that prayer closet more often. Especially because I realize I got so many uh, brothers and sisters that need prayers. So, um, Anyways, um, I, I guess that's what I got for you guys tonight. Um, as always, I, I really appreciate you listening. Um, it, it means the world to me. And I love you guys and we'll talk to you later.